This is John Summerall, head football coach at Troy. You're listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Did you hit the record? I did. Now we are. <laughs> Welcome back to Fun Belt Podcast, part of the Mighty Believe Network. My name's Jeremy Harper with HowRazor.com. With me, Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. Gentlemen, welcome back. We had a brief but penetrating burst of Sunbelt action on Saturday. And I'm looking forward to discussing it. You know, some things happened that I wasn't too happy with on a personal note. But, you know, here's one thing I learned about the Sunbelt. You, you just can't really predict it. I made on, 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 bet, on betonline.com, my favorite betting platform, I made like 10 bets. None of them panned out. That's how badly I was able to predict the Sun Belt this week. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. The mighty Roman Empire of Caesars <laughs> protected me while I was off in Tennessee. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have probably lost my ass especially thinking that ULM had a chance there against the mighty Jags. You blame Shane and I for that. Cause Shane <laughs> and I were like, Oh yeah, the Warhawks, man, they're going to make a game of it. It's hard to play in Monroe. You know, they're jazzed up. They, they, they played the, <laughs> they played Appalachian state so tight. Yeah. Good thing. You weren't able to make a bet on that. Cause I did. I lost five bucks on the Warhawks. Yeah, that was, uh, <clears throat> that was uglier than expected. Even, even knowing the up and down nature of the Jags, I uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting it quite like that. Yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty bad game. Uh, I mean, you know, we we kind of said going into it though, it was really a matter of are the the Jaguars going to finally come around, and are the Warhawks on a pity party? And and I think that quite honestly, they were still emotionally spent and just not prepared and ready to actually play that game. I feel like that they were still kind of hung over from that Appalachian state game. And now you've got to hope that they can put two games behind them, really the extremes, a close loss and then an absolute blowout to then go on the road to Texas state. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you, you also have to look at, at Kane Womack and the and, and Carter Bradley and the Jags and wonder, 
did they finally figure out the magic sauce? Did they finally figure out the right formula to, for playing some football? Because they were awesome on both ends of the uh, ends of the ball against the War Warhawks, and that's just something we haven't really seen. You know, we saw. I guess we saw it when they played Oklahoma State. We haven't really seen that level of intensity in conference play. We didn't see that level of play when when it was when it was time for them to play Tulane. I'm just wondering if maybe the Jags are kind of figuring out just in time to make that conference divisional run. I mean, at this point, I think the one true common denominator that we can point to is South Alabama plays better when they're not in a town that celebrates Mardi Gras, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when they're away from Mobile and New Orleans, they play pretty decent football. I wonder has a parade, but literally I've been at the parade before where I swear it was doing like 30 miles an hour down to Zaird Street. So is that really celebrating Mardi Gras? Maybe, maybe not. I, I do find it interesting that a couple of their best performances have been road games and, you know, maybe not the most hostile environments, but relatively hostile environments. Yeah, so Jaya Wright, after playing really good football against Appalachian State, picked off twice. I thought he was about to discover all his superpowers and go, you know, full dark Jaya Wright, but it just didn't happen. Yeah, it was. I mean, at one point, I looked at the uh, uh, box score. ULM had six yards of offense. The Jaguars had a little over a hundred. And, and and I think it was at that point I quit following the GameCast and and stopped uh, streaming it on my phone, and and just prayed <laughs> and watched the the bottom line ticker for whatever game we had on at the time. Yeah, that's brutal. Brutal times. The other brutal game. Okay. Jeremy, you got your ass whooped on the road, too. <laughs> Going yeah. down to T-Roy and took a 37-3 to loss there to Troy on Carlton Marshall Day. I was completely hoping to become totally insufferable on this episode of the show. Just... Just get out my monocle, grow my goatee, wear the ascot, and just be just a complete jackass on this show talking about possible New Year's Eve 6, definitely a sun appearance in the Sun Belt Championship. Was looking forward to seeing those Red Wolves take on Troy and their 24th ranked defense and give them a little taste of of what it means to be a Red Wolf. And, you know, it didn't work out at all, quite frankly. Uh, I think uh, Kendall or uh, Kamani Vidal had something like 250 yards of rushing, a trio of touchdowns, and he was just unstoppable. Gunnar Watson had a really good day. The defense didn't hold up. The offense didn't score a touchdown. I will say this, guys, though. The Red Wolves this season – Undefeated when they score a touchdown. When the Red Wolves score a touchdown, they can't be beat. So are, are we going to watch and trend that when you come to Monroe for homecoming? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. When I'm when I'm in Monroe, you know, well, that's definitely happening. Not like something that I'm I'm just sort of pretending is gonna happen and and then I'll 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 Irish exit at the last second. No, no, I'll be there. But yeah, listen, give hats off to Troy. Uh, 
Troy's defense is stellar. I think they were bragging online how they've held their last two opponents to 10 points total. Congratulations. That's pretty good. So uh, poised to be uh, head of the West. Good for um, uh, John Sumrall and Gunnar Watson and Vidal and all those awesome guys on the defense. Yeah, I, I was wondering during that game if Kamani Vidal maybe is a Fun Belt podcast listener and he heard how insufferable Jeremy was going to be and was <laughs> dedicated to making sure that didn't happen. But, uh, you know, yeah, the Troy defensive effort, that they are, I, they are the same defensive team they were last year, it looks like. Um, you know, even with a couple losses at this point, the defense hasn't really been the issue. And, you know, I, I really thought Arkansas State was going to score some points. I didn't know if they were going to win this game, but I thought they were going to, you know, put some points on the board to make it competitive, and they just couldn't do it against that defense. They had their moments, you know. They would get into the red zone, and, you know, they went for it on fourth down twice uh, <coughs> when it looked like they could score, you know. Instead, instead of taking the field goal, they they tried to get into the end zone. Didn't work out. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, some, you know it, what it says is that Arkansas State just really isn't ready to play on that level. So, that's fine, you know. We have the we have the uh, <coughs> sorry gosh, I'm choking on my misery. But uh, yeah, we the Red uh, Bulls weren't the only team that choked and 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 had the short end there. Oh yeah, who who else? You. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up like I don't know uh, uh, the Southern Miss. Yeah, maybe we move on to that game. How about oh. we move on to Southern <laughs> Miss ODU? Why you got to change the subject, Jeremy? <laughs> we got to hammer in that Arkansas State lost that game. No, no, no. I think we've I think we've underscored that enough. How in the hell though did the Monarchs get another Sun Belt Conference win and another one on the road going to Southern Miss and didn't even come close in time of possession? It was a twenty-four minute to thirty-five minute differential between the Monarchs and the Golden Eagles. But they got it done where it mattered, and that's on the scoreboard with 337 yards of total offense, able to recover a fumble, able to hold Frank Gore under 100 yards with just 66 yards. No no passing touchdowns, though, for Wilson. But Wicks... Able to get in the end zone twice. That was your difference. I tell you one two things that stand out. One is it's not just that Frank Gore was held to whatever yardage you said it was, <laughs> 70 yards or whatever. It was that he was only held to like two, two and a half yards per carry. I he ran they ran him to death. They they had him running for like 24 times and he couldn't get anywhere. Uh and the second is that ODU, you know, you, you we talk about another Sun Belt win. It's another win against the Sun Belt West. I mean, the Monarchs are the killers of the Sun Belt West. First Louisiana and now, and now Southern Miss. You know, they don't they don't have any more SBC West teams to beat up on anymore. So I don't know what that says for the future of ODU. But congratulations to Ricky Ronnie, who who kind of won the Antacid Bowl <laughs> against Southern Miss. It's all all that guttural acid now residing in Will Hall's stomach. Yeah, I went from two weeks ago being 
what's up Southern Miss fans? Why are you turning on Will Hall so fast? <laughs> uh, like I'm seeing it now. I, I mean, yep. that, that game was just for, for one thing. Okay. The, the punt return for a touchdown, the second one gets called back. It's a shaky call. I don't know if it was the right call, but that took, it the, took the air completely out of Southern Miss. The, they were not the same team after that. And that's your coach has got to manage your sideline better than that. They got to, you know, keep your guys playing. And, you know, you talk about Frank Gore and, you know, the super back and the, the situation, they just don't do anything creative with that at all anymore. They get, you know, down in the red zone inside the five and they're just trying to run straight up the gut with him. And, yeah. They've got that weapon and they're just not using it effectively at this point. Well, you gotta wonder if it's the only weapon they have. I mean, clearly yeah. the quarterback that isn't moving moving the chains for them. Uh, you know, they don't seem to be interested in finding maybe somebody else to to get a few snaps in there and maybe provide a spark. So yeah, you just have to wonder just how it feels right now in that Southern Miss locker room. Yeah, Southern Miss won a lot of close games last season, a lot of one-score games. None of that's happening this year. All that magic is gone. And I, I don't know if you worry about Will Hall's future so, uh, realistically. I mean, like, you, you almost want you almost expected this year to be what last year was supposed to be. Like it, it, somehow he flip-flopped. Yeah. So, I, next year, though, that's got to be a really hot seat, right? Yeah, I don't know if it's a hot seat yet, but I, I I'm. I'm understanding the frustration a lot more after actually watching a good chunk of that game. <laughs> just, just but, go, oh, we get you Southern Miss fans and we feel you. <laughs> is it more frustrating watching that Southern Miss game or watching Miami snatch defeat from the jaws of victory? It, it, there was nothing as a, as incredibly bad as that decision. <laughs> so, I mean, Will Hall's at least got that going for him. See, not, not having any real love for Miami, that I just found that amusing, not really frustrating. Now, frustrating I am, I do feel for Southern Miss and their fans. Another frustrating game. Viva La Boobcats, they dominated the game everywhere <laughs> but the scoreboard. <laughs> and really, it was that blocked punt in the fourth quarter that was the real difference when Dalen Cambry got the block and then set up the game, go ahead, win. But the Bobcats dominated this game every, every way possible. TJ Finley, 326, two touchdowns. It was a pretty costly pick that he did have. Yeah. Ishmael Maldi, 188 yards, one touchdown. Joey Hobart, eight receptions, 132 yards, one of which was a, 83-yard reception for his score. Yeah, but what did y'all think of that game? Yeah, here's what here's the here's what the problem for for the Bobcats was that the Cajuns' defense came up big in the fourth quarter. I mean, in the final four possessions, the Cajuns' defense forced two turnovers and blocked a punt. And that's pretty good. That that's that that's like the Bobcats getting not only just a bunch of bad luck, but just just some just 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 maybe falling apart a little bit. Like, oh my god, get it together, Bobcats. Yeah, I mean, 
maybe it's uh, the law of averages, you know, working out when you've had so many explosion plays kind of go your way throughout the season. I don't know, but I mean, you know, maybe we doubted the Cajuns defense a little too much. I mean, we got called out online a little bit, so uh, (laughs) we had to (laughs) swallow that. Uh, Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. All this game kind of tells me is that like the West is absolutely wide open and you look at the standings right now and, Southern Miss is the only team that's out of it at this yeah. point. And it's, it's, uh, it's pretty yeah, crazy. It's one of those things where Southern Miss could probably rack off and suddenly get three instant wins and suddenly be right back up there. But I think it does say that the Cajuns aren't ready to seed their place among the elite of that division. Right. I think everybody, in, at least in this room, we're like, Oh wow. Wow. The Bobcats, they're the flavor of the month. They're the, they're the team that we're going to have to beat in the Sunbelt West, right? And now it's like, okay, step back because you do look at some of the opponents the Bobcats have played and they're like, okay, well, they've had they've had their issues on and on. Nobody is doubting the pieces that the Bobcats have. TJ Finley is just an awesome quarterback. The running back, Mondi, he is an awesome running back. That defense at times can be a shutdown defense, but when it comes to what, what it really boils down to is the Cajuns have been there again and again and again. They're just a program that understands what it takes to seal out a four quarter, fourth quarter, to win the big games when it counts. And that's where the Cajuns probably have that experience. That's where the Cajuns probably won that game. I told you back in New Orleans, the guy to watch out for for this Cajuns team was Zeon Chris. And I know that through the early parts of the game, Jacob Cabote was holding his own as a transfer, finally earned his scholarship, and and rightfully so. But Zeon Chris, I'm telling you, is the quarterback of the future for the Cajuns. He accounted for four touchdowns, 205 yards passing, 67 yards rushing. He was the team's leading rusher. Yeah. That's the guy. And and if they want to take a step forward and try to get that title game back in Lafayette or even be on the road to play in it, that's the guy that's got to be behind center even when Woldridge comes back. Yeah, I don't even know what his situation is, Woldridge's situation is. Why would you give it back to Woldridge when you've got this guy that can actually, you know, is the future. You don't want him, like, bailing on you for the transfer portal because he's not getting his reps. I mean, Woldridge, well, he's, he's, this is his senior year, am I right? He's kind of done. So there's really no. he's a junior or senior. Okay, well, I, yeah, he came from Toledo, right? He's the big no. Oh wait, I'm thinking. I'm I'm thinking of Carter. Where did Woldridge come from? I thought he was a transfer. I could be wrong about that. High school. <laughs> he come come from high school. <laughs> but you're right. Zion Chris is just that dynamic player, and he does make mistakes because he's a young player, and you just have to 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 roll with those mistakes. He kind of reminds me a little bit about like Jalen Rayner for Arkansas State. As a fan, you just got to accept that sometimes he's going to throw a pick. Sometimes he's going to stand too long in the pocket. Sometimes he's just going to make a big mistake that might even cost a game. But what you're looking at is the future, and you got to let that future cook. Woodridge is a transfer, by the way, Fresno oh. State. Okay, okay. He's a Cali kid. Thank you. I sit corrected. <laughs> the finale was the morning cap. It was a game that we thought was going to be another P5 win for the Sunbelt Conference. The Herd took on the Pack. But the pack won 48 41. Marshall really made a game of it late. I, I, I think it was a 14 point game for pretty much the bulk of the game. What did y'all see out of that? I know for me, 
before I give you even a chance to answer. Cam Fancher, I know you're not a believer of him, Jeremy, <laughs> but 315 through the air, 29 of 51 for two touchdowns and one pick, rushed for two touchdowns in 25 yards. He was the offensive threat, at least on Saturday, for the herd. Yeah, I'll be interested what Shane has to say about that. But but I will. here's what I will admit about Fancher. That guy, you just have to accept he's going to throw at least one pick a game. I mean, just he's just going to throw a pick. And you just got to accept that that turnover is going to be on the sheet. Other than that, he completes a lot of passes. I mean, he's a pretty, you know, consistent guy out there. And I admit, uh, Mia Culpa, I was wrong about Fancher. Fancher seems to be finding ways to spread out that offense and make plays. Yeah, Fancher was good. I think the one thing missing from his repertoire is the touch on the deep ball. He he misses a lot of guys that are open downfield. He he will zip it in there on those crossing patterns and the slants uh-huh. and everything else. But they they could have scored 50 some points if he was able to kind of drop it in over the top. That was missing from their offense. The means the bigger issue though is giving up 48 points. Like oh, I expect more from Marshall's defense after last season when they were basically dominant on that side of the ball. Um, you know, it just feels like a missed opportunity because <clears throat> it was it was back and forth really until the fourth quarter and the turnover killed them. Gave NC State a little bit of a cushion, and they still had a chance to kind of get in there and maybe maybe tie it up late. It's it it just feels like a missed opportunity for the herd. Where if they had done a couple of things a little bit better, that might have been another Power Five victory. Yeah, Shane, and you, you kind of nailed it on that. It was the defense that that kind of blew me away the most on that game. I Marshall is. I had good defense this year, not just last year. So I'm thinking, man, that's going to be the defense that wins this game. And it turned out to be a shootout. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't something I was expecting. And yeah, we kind of missed uh, the Sun Belt misses out on a chance on another uh, feather in its cap, in its P5 cap. <laughs> uh, but, it, it, you know, it was also an entertaining game for the fans to watch. So, you know, I. It, it, Here's what bugs me the most is that it, it, it kills the marshals any chance of them getting into the AP, AP top 25. Because once you lose one game in the Sun Belt, it's over. You know, Shane, you know, this is JMU. You've had to go 5 and 0 and have a stellar season, and you're still only getting seven votes. What the hell? Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. I think at some point, if if somebody from the Sun Belt's kind of like separated themselves and the Mountain West beats itself up a little bit, I think there's a chance that it's, it's a Sun Belt team that ends up cracking the top 25. But I don't know. Right now, I mean, all the metrics say the Sun Belt is the best group of five conference. You can't find one that says they're not. And yet, you no. Know, yeah. And, and I understand, you know, Wyoming. Air Force, Fresno State, those teams deserve to be in the conversation getting votes too, but I don't understand why there's not somebody from the Sun Belt also kind of, you know, right there on the cusp of the top 25. Yeah, you know, that loss Appalachian State had to Wyoming and Laramie's looking a little better and better every week with Wyoming really, really stepping it up. They beat Fresno, right? I I saw that, right? Yeah, Wyoming did. So, So, I don't know. I mean, it just like, to me, we're talking about a missed opportunity for the Sun Belt. 
but just look across the board at every Sunbelt ACC result this year <laughs> and tell me that outside of, you know, like Florida state, yeah. that there's a huge difference between these conferences. There's, there's not, I mean, the middle of the pack Sunbelt teams compete really well with the middle of the pack ACC teams. And <clears throat> yeah, you I know what that means. There should be a merger. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who knows if uh who knows what happens if uh some of the teams in the ACC get their way but uh <laughs> <laughs> that's right we might it might be a merger by attrition I don't yeah I don't but, know but I mean just competitively like basically every game between other than Florida State Southern Miss every game between a uh a uh, ACC and a Sunbelt team has been very competitive with the Sun Belt winning their share of them. I don't, I don't, you know, understand yeah. why the conference as a whole doesn't get a little more love as just being the best group of five conference. Yeah, or even even G five in general. Uh, you look at the poll this this week, zero G fives. It's it's kind of like all the strides we've all the strides we've made in the last ten years that have just vanished uh, simply because Houston. And UCF have joined have joined Big Twelve. I, I don't I don't I don't really understand how this has happened. I I do get that there is a, especially with NIL, that there will be a a concentration of talent in the next five years. I just don't see it happening now. I I just don't understand what the Sun Belt has to do to get that recognition. Yeah, and I don't know if there will be like a huge concentration. I mean, the concentration of talent used to be in the top ten. But now they're not all staying at Alabama if they don't play because they can transfer. Now you got, you know, TJ Finley at Texas State, like which you might not have had like a few years ago. Uh, wisdom, wisdom from Shane. So in addition to last week, we get to go non-traditional. Okay. And and we talk about the Sun Belt, you know, statistically being the the premier G five. Yeah. But it's got to be true because we have yet another. National linear game on Tuesday when Coastal Carolina travels yeah. to Boone to take on App State. <clears throat> that game, 6.30 Central on ESPN2. We'll preview it because the episode will drop right before the game and we'll re actually recap it on our preview show. You got to love that. Yeah. So I how like is, App how State. Does that, I think, by, by the way, by tips, how does this game even happen? <laughs> I mean, a Tuesday because game. This is conference USA stuff Are we back? <laughs> because Commissioner Gill okay. likes to have the checkbook out, All but right. he knows he's got to work to pay the bills. Okay, so this is a pay-the-bills mm -hmm. game. I get that. It's a little action for me. You know, I, I hate that we're playing on a Tuesday night. Not because I diss Tuesday night. It just makes the whole week weird, right? <laughs> I don't like the way you said it. We're previewing a game tonight that we will be dissecting on a night that we'll be previewing the rest of the Sun Belt. It's just weird, Tibbs. It bends time and space in an unnatural way. It, it reminds me of, uh, you know, back in the day, they used to, like, call it, you know, a special Thursday night edition of Monday Night Football or something, like when it was <laughs> on right. ABC. Like, so this is a, this is like our, our special Monday <laughs> one one game, second and short. Okay, I like that. I guess I could live with that. You know, to me, it second feels more inches. like thinking yes. about, yeah, it, to me, it's more like thinking about the Easter time zone. It just just warps my head. What time is it there, Shane? Is it like 423 in the morning? Something like that, yeah. 
feels like it. No, I, I know the Eastern time zone is tough for you because whenever you introduce to games, you never are like, you know, you're never at 11, 12, 12 Eastern. You're always strict, strictly central time. I am strict. I'm a strict central time zone man. I am married to the central time zone and I am loyal. American, t- American time. That's right. That's America's time, buddy. I mean, I, I grew up in the central time zone. I get it. <laughs> yeah, but now you're an elite, elite East Coaster, yeah. so you've forgotten your roots, Shane. I, I haven't. I mean, <laughs> you know, we have Kroger's out here, which is the same thing as Dylan's in Kansas, and I called What's it Dylan's. Dylan, it's a it's a Kroger, but it's never, never heard of a Dylan. Yeah, never heard of it. No, no, I think like, they're pretty no. much only in Kansas and maybe is Missouri, like but uh, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I called. Shopper. I went. In the, I went into a. Kroger and called it Dylan's for like a good decade after I moved out here. So, all right, yeah, yeah, we call them Kroger's, like it's owned, like it's it belongs to a guy named Kroger. Did you go to the Kroger's, the Schnooks, <laughs> the Price Choppers? Can we get back to this game? This is a good game. Okay, we'll you're have just to have firing a, off. A, we'll you, have to have a grocery store episode at some point. That's right. We're trying to get that grocery store. Uh, <laughs> A sponsor, yeah. We'll just yeah. list them all, and one of them hears us. They'll be like, "We got to be on that podcast." Yeah. So here it is: Grayson McCall, yeah. Joey Aguilar, uh huh. Another head-to-head of star quarterbacks. Grayson McCall had the struggles this season. Maybe he stayed that one year too much. Mm. Joey Aguilar finally has the top, the toppers. No, not the toppers. No. The Mountaineers. They're the Mountaineers. There we go. Yeah. I told you, man. I am I am on the struggle bus and, and need I, I need my sleep by number. Oh, yeah. There's another sponsorship opportunity for us. Yeah. Has the Mountaineers ready to go? And and I think I still love Sean Clark with the we celebrate when we win at College Station. We celebrate if we win in Monroe. You better damn well believe they're gonna be celebrating their asses off when they beat coastal Carolina to kind of make themselves relevant once again in the Sunbelt conference. And that puts them at uh, what three wins. So they're halfway to bowl eligibility. Yeah. Which they didn't get to last year. You know, the, the, this is going to be a fun game to watch on a Tuesday night. Uh, simply because you're going to have that McCall star, star power that a lot of the nation's going to remember Grayson McCall from, couple years ago where he was just seemed like on the trajectory to be the next NFL superstar. And he might still be. I just don't know. I don't know if he still has the same guys around him. He certainly doesn't have like an Isaiah likely a throw. More power going to Boone. I, I, I don't know if it's, I, bl- I want to say they sold that out on a Tuesday night, which would be wild if they did. I mean, that's pretty crazy to sell out a Tuesday night game, if that's what happened. I, I don't know why I think I've seen that somewhere. But it's going to be a good crowd no matter what because they like their, their football a lot in Boone. Uh, it, to me, it's not uh, Aguilar, Aguilar I'm going to be watching. It's going to be Nate Noel. That's that's the exciting guy to watch. It's going to be is that coastal – can that coastal front four, that defensive line, that trench, can they stop Nate Noel? I still feel like Coastal has some bigs up there. So that'll be a that'll be a fun thing to watch. Yeah, I'm with you. I think App can run the ball on Coastal. Mm. I think I think App can get some pressure on Grayson McCall and force him into some mistakes that we've seen this year. That I would say uncharacteristic, but they've been characteristic this season a little bit. So I, I like App in this one, especially at home, especially like 
even if it's not quite a sold out crowd, you know, App State's got the best student section in the in the Sun Belt. They're going to show up. They're going to be there early and loud. And I think they're going to have a pretty significant home field advantage on a Tuesday night. There's Shane trying to suck up to the Mountaineers. <laughs> it's predictable now, no. isn't it? <laughs> it's like he lost all of his journalistic integrity because he was he, because he can't risk his family's safety, his own safety by besmirching the mountain here. Oh, I'm sure I will make them mad again at some point, but <laughs> you have to give credit to their students who show up early and yeah. stay for the whole game, and that's not the case at a lot of places no. in the Sun Belt, including Ooh. in Jambu. Oh, yeah. Very Liz. La- 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 oh, gosh. Laissez-faire. La- oh, my shit. You know what? I You think you're having troubles on the struggle bus, testing? <laughs> I'm having trouble- troubles, too. Long weekend, long Monday. You know, today's like a Indigenous Day, Indigenous People slash Columbus Day. I partied hard. You know, I, I drank a, a, a Nina, a Pinta, and a Santa Maria p- a cocktail tonight, and now I'm just completely ready for bed. Before you do that, though, Jeremy, you should give us a plug promo and parting shot. <laughs> you know what? I. <sighs> I don't have hardly any. I'll just do a, a promo. And the promo is this. Go to the Believe site where you pick up the Sun Belt or the Fun Belt podcast. Check out some shirts. I bought my Boobcat shirt this week. And let me tell you guys, I don't have it on because I'm trying to get it ironed out. I want it nice and smooth. It's a beautiful, handsome shirt. Anybody should wear the Boobcat shirt if they want to be the most talked about person at a party, a wedding, a bar vitzma, any place that they feel like they need to be ha- have a little bit of attention shined on them. They should wear that Boobcat shirt because I'm telling you, it's the best shirt you could possibly buy at less than 30 bucks a pop. I love that. I love that plug. Shane, what do you have that'll that'll beat that? How I, I can't beat that, but uh, <laughs> sad news is that. Our Asai soft drink challenger suffered their first loss of the season. No! So, so Boogie Knights team now two and one in the X League of Japan, but I think they're still in the mix to possibly uh, make the playoffs there. All right. All right, we've we've got to get Boogie Knight on at some point. Yes, we do. I mean, he's like he's like worse than the Eastern Time Zone. He's like, is he in Japan? Yeah, so what the heck? We'll have to figure out how to make that logistically work. But yes, I think Dusty, my phone will tell have... me what time it is in Tokyo. <laughs> Dusty, I know you have some pull. You can get Boogie onto the show, right? You think we're tired now? <laughs> yeah, we'll, have to, we'll have to do it literally at 423 a.m. My promo on the good old X. Okay. At Trojans together. That is the mm. Troy Trojan collective. Yes. However, I strongly encourage everybody to go there, check it out. The defensive back, Del Pettis, is actually foregoing his shares of the collective to help raise money for Josh Batwell, the beat writer for the Troy Messenger of the Troy Trojans, battling cancer. I gave. Everyone else should give. Check it out. Their 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 X is Trojans Together, and there's a link on there to uh, donate there for the cause. Always good to help out one of our own and to help somebody in the fun belt. 
get back to being in the fun belt. Uh, absolutely great cause. Good, good. That is a good promo plug and parting shot from Dusty. And now there's something asinine we're supposed to say, but I forget what it is. <laughs> we don't have a closing quip. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.